But we're going to continue through uh, Corinthians uh, this morning and chapter 15. Uh, I'm going to uh, share something with you before we get started. This is a little uh, unscientific survey, I'm sure, but how to be safe uh, this year, it says, avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Do not stay home because 17% of all accidents occur at home. Avoid walking on the streets or sidewalks because 14% of accidents happen to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Of all the remaining, 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. So above all else, avoid hospitals. You'll be pleased to learn that only 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship services in church. (laughs) So logic tells us the safest place for you to be at any given moment in life is at church. So take that for what it's worth. But uh, we all know that unless Jesus comes back real soon, we're going to die. And as Eric Hoffer once said, we were, uh, every one of us from the moment we were born was condemned to die and life is a bus ride to the place of execution. Kind of a grim thought. Hopefully we're not going to stop there. So, but the smart people are asking what happens when we die? Because this is a, an unavoidable reality. And, uh, we're going to look at that today in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, the Corinthians were asking the question, and, you know, is there a physical resurrection? What, how does that happen? And they were wondering, and they had trouble with Paul's answer because they were part of Greek culture. And, uh, and Christian belief is, is that when a person dies, their body goes into the ground... And their soul goes to be with Christ. But that separation of body and soul is temporary. It's called the intermediate state. And when Jesus comes back, there's a resurrection. So the physical body is resurrected and the soul is reunited with the physical body. And then... In our eternal state, we live in the age to come as physical beings. And uh, the Corinthians were having trouble wrapping their head around this because they believed in the immortality of the soul. But they believed the body was disposable. And when you died, you died. It, It was gone. It would disintegrate. And it wasn't important. On the contrary, in in the Bible, in the the Hebrew worldview, God created the world. And it was all good. The physical world and the human body. And it was, you know, it was broken, damaged by sin, death entered in. But God's plan of redemption is to redeem all of creation. And His plan of salvation isn't finished until the body is redeemed. The body's part of the package when Jesus came to save us. 
So like I say, the Corinthians were having trouble with that. So Paul, in this chapter, is talking about the physical resurrection. The first thing that he says, I'm just going to walk you through quickly the argument, and then we'll spend a little more time on the last paragraph. But uh, verses 1 through 19, Paul reiterates what was preached to the Corinthians to start with. That Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross, was buried, and on the third day rose from the dead according to the Scriptures. He was seen by Peter and James and John and various disciples and women, and there were other people, and Paul includes himself in that. And he says over 500 people at one time saw Him. This is what we preached. This is what you believed. This is the Gospel by which we are saved. If we hold it fast. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then this message that you've heard is meaningless. Your faith has no value. We're false witnesses. You are lost in your sins. And we face death without hope. Let's all go home. So, The physical resurrection of Jesus is a non-negotiable part of the Gospel. That's the first big idea of these 19 verses. Then in verse 20, he moves on to a little different part of what he wants to say. And, And here he's saying the physical resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of a chain reaction. It's not a standalone event. And so he says, Christ was raised from the dead on that first Easter. But when he comes back, that, that was the first fruits. But when he comes back, then we who, who believe in him are going to be raised as well. And all evil, rule, and power, and authority will be brought into subjection to Jesus. And then the Lord's Prayer will be fulfilled. Thy kingdom will come. Thy will will be done on earth as it is in heaven and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. And He shall be all in all. So the miracle of Easter is not a stand-alone event, but it will be expanded to include the entire cosmos. In the microcosm of that Easter event, we see the seed of what is going to happen in the macrocosm of the new heavens and the new earth. God's plan of redemption for the world includes the entire world. Physical body included. So the next section, Paul goes on to say, we're, you know, the physical resurrection of Jesus guarantees an extreme makeover for all of us. So the Corinthians are asking, well, how does this happen? How does, you know, what's this going to look like? I always uh, remember reading this once about a guy that was in the Explorers Club and he says his, his buddy scattered his ashes when he died. Over the mountains of Nepal, the Australian outback, the Rwandan, a Rwandan volcano, the Temple of Thor in Iceland, Blue Nile Falls in Ethiopia, and the waters off Zanzibar. Spread a little thin, I would say. 
And so, you know, you wonder, what happens in the resurrection? How does God do this? And uh, Paul, you know, he doesn't really answer that question here. Uh, but he does kind of reflect on it. And he says, you know, it's like a seed that gets planted in the ground. And, and it, it germinates and then it, it, it grows, bursts through the ground. And it's got a, a new form, a new life, a new glory. And so there, there's continuity, of course, between the seed and the plant. But there's also discontinuity. They're very different. So there's some continuity between the body that gets buried in the ground and, and the, the new resurrection body, but it's also going to be very different. And he says flesh differs from flesh, and the flesh of animals differs from the flesh of each other and of humans. And then he says that there is one glory of the moon and the sun and the stars, and one, you know, there, there are different glories for each each one, and so it is for the resurrection. He says the, the glory of the human body is, is now is, is related to Adam. You're taken from the dust. But in the resurrection, we'll be related to the heavenly man who came from heaven. And we'll be changed and we'll be made like him. And so he doesn't tell us how, but he gives us a glimpse of what that might look like. You know, what does that look like? And, and so we get a glimpse of Jesus in his glorified state in the beginning of Revelation. And, uh, you know, I. It's a lot of this is metaphorical language that John uses, but he says, I saw Jesus and I and I felt I was so overwhelmed by the glory that I fell at his feet as a dead man. Because his son, his face looked like the sun. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were as burnished bronze that had been made to glow in a furnace as his voice was like the sound of many waters. If we're going to look anything like Jesus, you're going to be impressive. <laughs> you know, it's like C.S. Lewis said, if we could see our... One day we'll be so radiant with the glory of God, so radiant with His power, with His love, with His joy, with His wisdom, if we could see ourselves now as we will be then, we'd be tempted to worship. The physical resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, guarantees us an extreme makeover for each one of us. I look forward to that. And the physical resurrection of Jesus is a declaration of the death. Of death. And here in, in verse 50, we'll pick up Paul's argument in a little more detail. And he writes these words. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So what he means here is our, our bodies have a shelf life. 
in their current form. We all know that. But the kingdom of God does not have a shelf life. There's no expiration date. And if we're to inherit the kingdom, we're to be partakers of the, the, the powers of the age to come, then something needs to change with us. So we're going to get an upgrade. Because perishable can't inherit imperishable. So behold, then he says, verse 51, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to die. Some of us will be alive when Jesus comes back, so we're not going to die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be 